So this year is part of a series of war and religion. I use the word religion, obviously, not in the philosophical sense, but the Jewish religion and our Masara. And that's precisely the point. We don't have a strong and fully developed Masara about war because we haven't gone to war in 2,000 years. So there aren't that many Gemaras that talk about it. Certainly contemporary Poskim aren't going to write about it. We have uh, elaborate and, and full Masara about Dine Gitin and Dine Nezikin and Dine Kashe But now we are fighting a war. And um, you can't connect the dots. It's not a Shulchan Arachan war, but ideas and, and themes and orientations. And and today I'd like to tackle a very, very um, thorny issue. And obviously it's very, very general. A, because there's no Masara, and B, because the situation is so distinct. But what value and, and how to articulate the value of protecting innocent lives during war? Now, sadly, this is a very, very, very complex issue for two reasons. Number one, it's really hard to decide who's innocent who's not. I mean, there's some are obvious, but as many of the soldiers are reporting, and people in Chutzarts may not be aware of this, because in their minds there's a bind, certainly in the news and the media, there's a binary division between the terrorists and the citizens. And that polarity is not as clear. They're discovering in many, many citizens' homes Hamas firearms, Hamas plans, Hamas papers, maps, and it's also hard to notice because you find a map in someone's home. Does that mean they're collaborators? Does that mean that Hamas forced them to store things there? It's so, so impossible to know. But the issue is on the news daily, and it appears as if it's just a political or diplomatic issue, um, a moral issue. But does the Torah ever write about it? Too, the Torah doesn't really write about war in that way. Torah isn't describing war in urban areas with horrible, horrible beasts and barbarians using human beings as human shields. And Anyway, so what does the Torah say about this and, and what broader aspects of war can we learn from some of the conversation in the Torah about issues relating to this? It's all very, very general, but I still feel that it's, it's important enough to, to convey. So, um, let's start with a Mishnah in Meseches Derech Eretz. And I, I first want to introduce this year by giving credit where credit is due. I was very influenced in this year by an article that appeared by a Rebbe I was close with, Rebbe Huda Shaviv Zechron Levracha. I imagine most people listening to this, unless you came to Yeshiva Haritzel in the 80s and maybe early 90s, are not familiar with him. One of the early, early Rabbanim of the Yeshiva, um, he wrote several Svarim on Haftarah and other... Um, Tanakh, who's a big Tamachacham, he has a lot of uh, Halacha Shiurim and Lambda Shiurim splintered and sprinkled in various publications. If you ever come across that name, Rav Yehuda Shaviv, I recommend you take a moment and, and read the Torah and, and read what he has to say. Very um, poetic, not very poetic, but very conversant in Tanakh and in words and very, fine attention to words and I learned a lot from him. He's a very kind person. I spent time with him. So he wrote an article in the Sefer that was put out in memory of one of the um, boys who fell in Melchem Shlom HaGalil from the yeshiva. His name was Ram Mizrahi, Hashem Yikom Damav. And uh, the Sefer is called Values Being Tested by War. Arachim B'mevchan Mi'lchama. So I just wanted to... He, he wrote a lot about this issue that I'll discuss today in his article. In any event, if Yosef Aglili says in the Mishnah, Mesech Derech Eretz, Gadol HaShalom. 
is actually an entire section of Gadol HaShalom. If you have a Bar Ilan program, look up the phrase Gadol HaShalom. How many times do Chazal extol the value of peace, of harmony, of, of cordial relations, of people being different but getting along and compromising in achdus and solidarity? But this Gadol HaShalom is a little bit different. Gadol HaShalom, he says that Mashiach will come and introduce Shalom, Manavum Al-Harim, Evaser Shalom, the Mashiach will come and introduce a world of peace. So we're hoping for that world, and our end game is not hatred and blood and, and killing, but peace and utopia and cordial relations between people that are different. Not everyone becomes a Jew, but everyone sees Hashem. And then Abiyazeglili says, Gadol HaShalom, Abiyazeglili says, Shebeshas Milchama, even during war, Ein Posech Ela B'Shalom. Before a war begins, with few exceptions, we have to start by reaching out to our enemies and offering them peace. And what is he referring to? He's referring, of course, to the war section in Shoftim. And I'll talk about the, the macro structure of this section in a moment. And the war section begins with, don't be afraid, Hashem is with you. The Kohen comes and speaks to them, Shema Yisrael, Tem Krivim Hayom. Those who are faint of heart, who have other occupations, they just got married, they just built a house, they just planted a vineyard, go home. And then, Ki Tikra, this is Perak Yutes and Devarim, Shvi, Parsha Shoftim, Pasak Yud, Ki Tikra, Val Irli Lachem Oleha, when you approach a, a country or city that you are about to lay siege or war with, Vikarasa Should offer them peace? Now, this has several exceptions, as the end of the parsha describes, it doesn't apply to the seven nations. Doesn't apply to Amalek. In the Torah, probably didn't apply to Midian, where the Torah writes, you should attack them, because of their complicity in the Poor. It's pretty explicit. But with those exceptions, Midian, seven nations, possibly Amalek, that doesn't appear. You offer them peace. You offer them a way out. Now, actually, the Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, in his comments to the Rambam Sefer Mitzvahs, remember the Rambam writes a Sefer Mitzvahs, lists 613 Mitzvahs, the Ramban disagrees and says certain Mitzvahs the Rambam omitted, should have been included, certain things the Rambam counted as a Mitzvah, the Ramban says this isn't a Mitzvah. So in his additions, in the fifth Mitzvahs essay, that according to the Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, the Rambam, Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon, forgot, the Ramban writes, there's a mitzvah, Basil Mispasek, not only to offer them peace, but listen to this. When you're laying siege and when you're fighting, you have to leave one vector, one side open for them to run away. So it's not just, by the way, do you want peace or do you want war? But even when the war begins... We're not looking for total carnage. We're looking to defeat the enemy. But if they want to run away, and it's almost eerie to read this Ramban's interpretation of the Pasuk. Meshachachma talks about it also in Bamidbor Lamad Aleph. Well, no, Meshachachma is not clear because he applies it to Midian. Midian is the exception, but it's so eerie and so in many ways affirming to read this Ramban literally as our army in Aza is leaving one side of the hospital open and encouraging people to leave, is leaving one humanitarian route open for people to move from the scenes of fighting up north to the scenes of fighting down south, uh, to the safe area, relatively safe area down south. And, and, and again, just ignore all the noise and the propaganda and the hatred towards the Jewish people. I'll talk about this maybe towards the end of this little share. 
So it's very affirming to read that Ramban and to see that we are finally, I'm going to say Zelchik, because we don't invite war, but if we are forced to war, we don't just offer our enemies peace to avoid war, as we've done to Jordan, as we've done to Egypt, as we're trying to do with the Palestinians who live amongst us. But when we do go to war, we try to allow even the combatants, which again, I'm not trying to apply here, because the combatants have already proven they've given up the right to live on this earth. They shouldn't be allowed to run away because they're interested in continuing violence. Now, what's fascinating about this issue of letting people run away during war, at least calling and offering them peace, is the following medrash. And this is a very, very stunning medrash. The medrash in Devarim Rabbah, Parak Yud Beis, says that this is one of the three areas in which Moshe, air quotes, quote unquote, corrected Hashem. There are three areas in which Hashem delivered instructions to Moshe, and Moshe said, well, what about this? And Hashem said, you know what, you're right. That doesn't mean that Hashem was wrong or forgot something. It means that Hashem, instead of delivering all the information, wanted Moshe to add information that Hashem did. For whatever reason, that's what I'm going to try to explore. One of them is this. Kodesh Baruch Hu told Moshe to war with Sichon. And he told him to actually go to war with Sichon, to eliminate Sichon, to, to, to defend the borders, to create defensible borders on, on the eastern flank. And Moshe sends messengers for Ashlach Malachim. So Kodesh Baruch Hu said, you know what, again, this is all metaphoric, I will cancel my instructions, just go to war with Sichan, and I will uphold your instructions, or at least your additions. And therefore, I will, Hashem writes, in Pasha Shoftim, Ki irli So now the question becomes, to help get better resolution on this issue, of offering peace, of offering escape, why does Hashem structure it this way? Obviously, Hashem knows what He wants. Obviously. But what does Hashem provide Moshe with one set of instructions and then lets Moshe, quote-unquote, correct him? And Hashem uh, concedes to Moshe, Kivayacha. So two things come to mind. First of all, because Hashem doesn't want to qualify his instructions of war. When we're at war, we have to fight with all of our intent and all of our energy and all of our power and all of our courage. And at the same time, try with all of our energy and all of our intent and all of our humanity to try to provide peace, and especially during war, to try to provide escape hatches for those who are our enemies and combatants. And if Hashem would have said both, it would have sounded like that the instructions about peace and the instructions about letting people escape, according to the Ramban, were to qualify how, how aggressively and how passionately we should wage the war. So Hashem creates two channels, two tracks. It's almost as if, just to create an analogy, the, the defense minister, Yov Galant, is in charge of the war effort. And uh, there's a minister, not a minister, but an official called Hirsch, I think is his name. I forget his first name, who's in charge of the, of the hostages and retrieving the hostages. Now, these are two agendas which it, it, it pains, it, like, it tears at your heart to say it. Essentially, at some point, they're going to clash. And, and they are about to clash. The, the rumors are that Israel is going to offer some degree of a uh, of a haidus and of a partial ceasefire in exchange for X amount of hostages. And at some point, the ceasefire is, is is contrary to our interests. But if we can retrieve the hostages, it's something which the Israeli government is going to advance with. But being that these are separate agendas, and each agenda has to be pursued with all of our interests and all of our resources, it's absolutely crucial that one person direct the war effort and one person direct the hostage rescue effort. And that's why they're division of labor. 
And, and of course, the war is going to contribute, put pressure on Hamas, but at some point, these are complete. If we just wanted to eliminate Hamas, we would be fighting slightly differently, I imagine, not being the defense minister. So Hashem wants to create two separate models. He wants to create his instructions, fight Sichon or other people, and that war effort has to be led unconditionally with all of our energy, all of our focus, all of our interest. And then Hashem also says, by the way, you have to create peaceful opportunities, whether it's before the war or during the war. So in order to separate those two agendas, Hashem gives one set of instructions about the war and then lets Moshe provide the second agenda of peace and offering peace. That's one reason. You get a sense of these separate agendas, and here I lean very heavily on what Rav Shaviv said and wrote, by the fact that people who are frightened are allowed to go home, and in particular, people who are busy with building homes in Eretz Yisrael, it's only in Eretz Yisrael, but if you build a home, if you build a home in Chutzar, you're not excused from the war. If you marry someone and you haven't fully advanced the marriage, or if you plant a vineyard. The simple read onto why the planters, builders, and marriers are sent home is because they're preoccupied and they can't empty their minds and completely focus on the war, and that's going to erode the war effort because they've got um, distraction. And they'll distract other people by distracting themselves, distract other people. Rav Shaviv suggested that maybe it's a little different. Maybe there's a division of labor. That maybe those who are involved in building and construction, they should stick to those agendas while other people are involved in what is essentially destructive acts of war. And there's a division of labor which Hashem recognizes there really are two tracks. And at this point, sadly, for later productive purposes, war has to be waged, and war should never be waged just to destroy and to eliminate, but for some larger, we, we feel that we're fighting a just and moral war in order to eliminate these subhuman, barbarian animals who committed such unspeakable acts. Who can, what more moral purpose could there be? But war is still destructive, and in the crossfire, a lot of destruction will happen. And Shem says, well, if you're deeply involved in a constructive event, then you can't be fighting war. Not because you can't focus your attention solely in war, but Hashem says there are people that are involved in different activities and different agendas. So it's interesting that Hashem creates two tracks. Says, this is the track of war that I'm instructing you, Moshe, and then Moshe says, but then there's another track of peace built before and after. I think the second reason that Hashem wants Moshe to arrive at this on his own is not just because of this highfalutin but important value of Shalom. Hashem wants it to be Shalom, and unfortunately there are times of war, and that even during war, Shalom plays a role. The reason Hashem wants Moshe to reach out to the enemies and offer them peace, or during war, according to the Ramban, to offer an escape hatch, is not just for the value of Shalom, which is a contending value with war. But even during war, Hashem wants us to preserve the dignity of human beings. And you preserve their dignity by offering them a chance to walk away from the war. It's not just shalom as a value, but it's kavod abrios and selam elokim as a value, which is a different value. And of course, we're fighting an ideological war, and we're fighting a war against animals who have absolutely no whatsoever, no sense of selam elokim in themselves or in others by their horrifying, horrible activities. And the way we defeat them is not just by eliminating them. And I just, again, I keep saying this again and again. I told the Talmud that I walked out of Shia. I saw that five terrorists were eliminated. I said, Hodu Lashem ki tov ki li'olam chazal with Shem Hashem yitamu chatam min aretz Hashem orenam. I'm very, very mocked because this is part of Malchus Hashem to remove these people from earth. And you can't let the cacophony of moral confusion distort that or pervert that. But we have to be careful about Salam Malukim. And we have to preserve human dignity. 
So if Hashem were to deliver these instructions to Moshe, it would be two values, Melchama and Shalom. But if it's Tzalem Elohim, that's something which human beings should feel inherently, intuitively. To be a human is to feel that you are selected to be Hashem's unique create creature, and you have Tzalem Elohim. You protect it in yourselves, you respect it in other people. So Hashem wants Moshe to arrive at it on his own. It can't be Hashem saying, by the way, there are two values, Milchama and Shalom. There's Milchama, and during Milchama, human beings should sense the need to preserve, even more so, Shalom Elohim. And you get this sense by the continuation. The only way to read the end of Shalom is to read it as one block. And I'll give you the sequence just opening the Pasuk. First section is the war, the beginning of Perachaf, don't be afraid, Hashem's, Hashem will lead you into war. The Kohen gives the pep talk, then the people who have built homes or married or planted vineyards leave. People who are afraid leave. And then the next section is what I just read. Or for peace. Then the next section is Baltashchis. Baltashchis has nothing to do with war halachically. Because Baltashchis, you throw food that you can eat out, you're over on Baltashchis. Baltashchis is a general halacha. But yet it is stated within the context of war. Why? Because Hashem knows that war releases violent tendencies, vandalistic tendencies, and Hashem says, don't vandalize, hold yourself back, because one thing leads to another. If you kill a cat you, or an animal, you can end up showing violence to human beings, as we've seen in so many criminal cases. And if you're just wantonly destroying things, it's going to... And you just saw, you just saw these animals destroying property, lighting, burning, pillaging, just complete lack of any... Any, just pure, raw hatred and violence to destroy, to dismantle, to shoot, to kill, to maim. So Hashem says, when you're at war, maintain your own dignity. And then the final section is Egla Rufa in Parshish Shoftim, which again has nothing to do with war, but everything to do with war. Because Egla Rufa means you find a dead body of an anonymous person who dies in a forest, you'd say, just bury it. Who are the people that die in forests unaccounted for? It's not human beings that have family or community, because then you'd look for them and they'd be found. It's People on the margins of society, drug addicts and homeless and, and, and women of ill repute, all sorts of people that don't have homes and families, and their body is found in a forest. You know what happens, unfortunately, with people that live on the margins of society. So you think, bury them, and the entire song and dance, and the entire confessional, and the people of the city come out, it's because, as Rav Luchensin spoke about this once, it's because when the dignity of the human condition is most vulnerable, it has to be most reinforced. And when you take lives and human beings for granted, you have to reinforce them. Well, that's certainly something we're fighting for the dignity of the human condition. So offering peace or offering escape hatches is not just to attend to that other value of Shalom, but it's to protect human dignity, especially in our context. So it's hard, hard, hard to know how to apply these to our current situation. Um, I've, I've given some general, general voices and, and framework to the situation. But one thing I know, and please, please maintain your moral clarity. Hashem wants us to fight moral and just wars. Hashem wants us to express our morality and our sensitivity and our respect for the human condition. There are certainly innocent people in Aza that we are sad when they pass or when they're caught in the crossfire, that in no way should limit our military efforts to eliminate and wash off the face of the earth the dirt that is Hamas Yimach Shemam. But it's certainly a value that the Torah endorses. It's not just a diplomatic need, because we need public support, international support, American support, and the mixtures and images. It is part of what Hashem wants from us. And if we fight that way, Hashem will join us in the fight. So it's a strategic value, because Hashem will help our battle when we exhibit 
I don't know what how that translates into military policy. And most importantly, all this cacophony and all these loud sounds and shouts about the Jewish army being immoral and genocide and babies, not only is it false noise and static of people that hate and venomous, fictitious lies, it is classic, classic attempts of anti-Semites to take Jewish values and turn them against us. And this is how you know it's anti-Semitic. The Ammonim and the Moavim. In the first base of Mikdash, when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the base of Mikdash, they walked into the base of Mikdash, grabbed the Kruvim, and paraded them. You see, the Jews are paganists. Why? Because we challenge the world. We challenge them to avoid paganism. We challenge them to be monotheistic. And the best way to ignore a challenge is to accuse the messenger of those same flaws. Scratch a saint, you find a saint, oh, you see, you're challenging us to monotheism, you yourselves are paganism, paganists. Blood libels, same thing. Jews drink blood, are you kidding me? Not only do we not drink blood, we're not the satanic and voodoo rituals. We salt our food as carefully as we can to avoid any trace of blood. And we're dignified because we don't drink blood, and we're not part of this ugly, disgust. So Christian blood libels, subconsciously, or an attempt, well, yeah, yeah, all your dignity, you're just blood drinkers. Chas v'shalom. Hitler, Yemachshima, we're sub-race. No, we're HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Banamata Moshem Elokechem. And people know that. Not arrogant, not privileged, responsibility. And the only way for Hitler, Yemachshima, and others, is to invert those values and hold them, you're sub-race. Same thing here. We are the most moral army in battle. The easiest way the easiest way to preserve our borders would be to carpet bomb Aza the same way that Mosul was carpet bomb or Afghanistan was carpet bomb or Japan was not just carpet bomb or that Germany was carpet bombed. That's the easiest way. We're losing soldiers and losing lives because we are fighting a moral battle. Ignore the noise. Ignore the empty-minded, ignorant folly. We're fighting a moral war and it's not just because we have to protect our image in the public arena, it's because Hashem wants us as much as possible. Ki ti lachem, ki tikravel irli lachem, vikarasa elel l'shalom.